Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Can't tell you how long I've been waiting to do a whole hour all about fighting. This is my dream come true. Welcome into Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Thanks so much for doing it, no matter how you're doing it. Two days left to enter our Coeur Lane Resort Stay and Play giveaway. We got two 18-hole rounds of golf as well as a night at the Coeur Resort Hotel, a five-star resort, one of the best places in the Northwest United States you can spend an evening. All you have to do is send us photo evidence of you listening or watching this show. It's easy. Be creative. Anyway, a picture of your radio in your truck, a picture of the television you're watching on, whatever. And it doesn't have to be live either. If you're watching on the, the uh, YouTube channel after hours or you're streaming on your phone, you're listening to the podcast, whatever. Send us evidence of you consuming this show, 406-888-1029. We will continue to remind you because we're going to be giving the lucky winner away tomorrow afternoon. So stay tuned for that. Great show coming at you today here on a Thursday. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Chad Dundas, who I hope becomes a good friend of this show, is making his debut on Nuanez now. And we're going to talk all things fighting sports. First and foremost, the debacle that was this uh, last complete 
I don't even know how to describe it, but it makes me sad because I'm a big boxing fan. And what's happening to boxing right now as it becomes basically a sideshow of prize fighting and not the best term of prize fighting. We're also going to talk some MMA as well because there's a big fight coming up this weekend. And kind of get a recap of all this. Chad has been doing an MMA podcast now for several years, and it's gotten a lot of traction, become nationally relevant. And it's been fun to watch and fun to follow. I've always been a big UFC guy. And uh, so to have an expert that's from the city of Missoula here in studio with us, it'll be really fun to get to all that. Also, Chad's a veteran sports writer here as well. So we're going to talk about sports across the state of Montana like we always do here on Nuanas Now. Second hour, our good friend Carolyn, who doesn't know sports, is swinging by. We're going to talk about a lot of different things in this one, uh, including a continued conversation about Naomi Osaka and sort of the thought process that this has spurred on because her removal from the French Open Controversial to be sure, but I think it's a, brought up a lot of broad questions about the way that media interacts with athletes, how beholden are athletes to media, and vice versa. So we'll talk a lot about that as well. And then 5.30, I actually have a couple feelers out there to a couple potential guests. If we don't get to either of these guys, we will get to them later on, either this week or next week. Potentially, Patrick McMahon, who's the Alaska Gatorade Player of the Year, he's coming to Montana State to play men's basketball. He might join us. It just depends on if he gets off the river in time. He's fishing right now. and uh, or, or maybe Tanner Huff, the latest commitment to the University of Montana. He's a senior at Butte High School, and he got himself a spot on the Grizzlies in the way that uh, I think is is pretty cool. He he went out and dominated the Class AA track meet this last, uh, I guess, two weeks ago now. Won the 100 meters, the 200 meters, and ran legs on both relay teams that won gold medals for Butte High. And that caught some attention from the Grizz football coaches. So he was committed to Montana Western. Now he's coming to the Grizz. So this will be a cool story if we can round up Tanner. But either way, we'll address those recruiting moves and plus get to some of the other big news of the day, including Duncan Hamilton, probably the best athlete in the state of Montana that you might not know. You should know because the kid is absolutely dominant. He is into the finals in the men's 3,000-meter steeplechase at the National Track and Field Championships in Eugene, Oregon. He was on the show two days ago here with us, and if he keeps on doing it, I mean, he's he's going to be an All-American now that he's in the finals, and he could then become a first- or second-team All-American if he gets into that top eight, and that's definitely in the cards because he ran the fourth-fastest qualifying time. But we'll get to all that in a minute. First and foremost, though, we got to welcome in Chad. How you doing, my man? Thanks so much for coming in. You bet, Coulter. I'm happy to be here. I'm so Excited to make your dreams come true here, man. <laughs> Talk a little combat sports for a while. So you are a veteran podcaster, but have you done much live radio? Um, I've done a little bit here and there. It's not the thing that I'm most comfortable with. I'm going to have to kind of keep reminding myself that I'm not on the podcast. And I can't just go <laughs> dropping a bunch of four-letter words on here, but I'm going to do my best to keep the FCC out of our hair for the next however long I'm here. Well, I love it. Uh, thanks so much for coming in, and we're excited to have you. First of all, tell people a little bit about your background. This is actually funny because I have a sports writing background as well. And uh, I grew up, Chad's not much older than I am, but I grew up reading Chad uh, in the Missoulian. And then we never actually crossed paths at the Missoulian because when I was there, he was God. And then he came back to Missoula and worked at the Missoulian for a little while as well. So just tell people a little bit about your background, though. You're, you're a Missoula guy, right? Yeah, I'm a Missoula native. I was born here and over you know a couple of decades wrote for just about every newspaper in town including all the way back to the hellgate lance and then the montana kyman i worked for the missoulian in two different stints as a sports writer worked a little bit for the missoula independent uh and then moved on to some national outlets covering mixed martial arts probably in about 2010 i worked for espn i worked for bleacher report most recently i worked for uh the athletic and now uh 
just kind of living that dad life in, <laughs> in Missoula, doing my podcast with my colleague and friend, Ben Folks, who is all, also an MMA writer. Uh, we've been doing the co-main event podcast, I think, for nine years. Wow. Which is insane. It is insane, especially considering podcasts have not really been... A, I mean, I started doing my Big Sky Breakdown podcast circa 2013. And then to my knowledge, I think it was the only really one that was being produced in Montana besides if and when you guys were recording yours in Montana. Yeah. So, I mean, podcasting has not been sort of part of the lexicon for much longer than that. So that has to be one of the longest standing podcast period, right? right. Well, when you say produced, I'm going to put that in quotes <laughs> right. for our show since we basically, you know, in normal times recorded at my dining room table and uh, during the last year or so, we've used a variety of online platforms to do sure. it. But yeah, we've been doing it for a long time. Sometimes I think Ben and I look across the table at each other and, and think, man, if you would have told us that a decade on, we would still be sitting here just uh, talking nonsense to each other a couple times a week. We would have told you you were crazy back when we first started. That's the key to making a podcast last, though, right? <laughs> I mean, it, you know, sometimes everybody always tells me, man, you got the greatest job in the world. And it is. This is an awesome job here at ESPN Missoula. My venture at Skyline Sports is also awesome. But for any sort of independent content production, you just have to keep doing it. Yeah. The moment you don't, that's when it falls off. And so even though it is really fun, sometimes it can become a grind because you have to consistently produce stuff all the time, right? Yeah. And to be honest, I got to give the credit to the idea for the podcast uh, to Sarah Aswell, the very funny local comedian. Uh, she was she was kind of fed up with us. She was like, you guys just sit around and talk about MMA all the time anyway. <laughs> right. Why don't you just record it and put out a podcast, and we looked at each other, and we're like, oh, that's kind of a smart idea. So we did. We just started basically recording the conversations that we would have anyway and putting them out, you know, on a weekly basis, and we have both been stunned over the, you know, last handful of years how popular it's been and how many people apparently like to listen to us just run our mouths. It is amazing, right? I mean, that's sort of the origin of the Big Sky Breakdown as well. I, Kyle Sample... Uh, who is a good friend of this show and uh, I guess a recovered sports writer. He got rid of his journalism addiction and he's on to, to bigger and better things. But uh, he was working for me at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle and then I ventured out to do an independent uh, venture, but he was still at the Chronicle. We were living together and we both had girlfriends at the time. Neither one of us are dating those ladies anymore. But they said the exact same thing. They said, you guys sit here and talk about Bobcat Grizz football all the time. Just put a recorder down and stop swearing, and you guys can have content. And here we are uh, some eight years later. So uh, very fun. What else have you been up to? Because I know that you've got a couple books out there already. Have you been working on anything new? Yeah, I have uh, two novels out. One of them is a historical fiction crime novel called Champion of the World that came out in 2016. And the other one is a contemporary mystery and thriller that's set in Missoula. It's called The Blaze, and it came out in January of 2020. I'm working on a new book, uh, The Pandemic kind of set everything back in a weird way. No and question. The, the publishing industry was certainly not immune to that. So it's been a very weird year, I think, for everybody over the last 12 months. And now that things are getting back to normal, I'm, I'm kind of gearing up to try to pitch a new book uh, either to my editor at my current publishing company or someone else, just depending on how things shake out. But yeah, I, I hope to have a third book coming out pretty soon. Nuan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana, television around the great state of Montana. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Chad Dundas joining me here in the studio. All right, let's talk about the main reason we got you in here. Let's talk about combat sports. First and foremost, did you watch the Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul? Um, 
what are we going to call this exhibit? I'm not calling this a fight. I refuse to call this a fight. But what did you watch the the uh, the entertainment that ha- occurred on Sunday? You know what? I caught up with it on the highlights. <laughs> yeah, see, I was the same way. I was driving back from Coeur d'Alene, so uh, we did our stay and play. Uh, myself, Kyle Sample, Sean Rainey, and Ben Wyman did our stay and play at Coeur d'Alene Resort last week, and uh, we had a hell of a time. But we were driving back, so we were to kind of just follow it on Twitter. It was not must-see TV for me because I, I had already been sort of tracking the uh, non-valid nature of the way that these things are going. But what is your perspective on this? Because I think that broadly the casual and or new fight fans – are into this only because of the drama that surrounds it. You have these inflammatory characters and the Paul brothers that have a a huge platform that they created themselves, so I do give them credit for that. But they basically go on YouTube and Twitter and the various social media outlets, and they talk a bunch of smack, and they challenge a bunch of uh, ex-former professional fighters, and it gets stirred up a lot of conversation, and then they can pin a giant pay-per-view tag on it and make a ton of money, but... From what I've seen, these fights are completely invalid. There's no judges. Every single one of them has ended in basically a draw, despite what the action has played out. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any real challenge to, to win or lose. It, 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 to me, it's just, it's raw. I'll, I'll let you give your opinion first, but to me, it's just, it's, it's a complete facade. Yeah, I think in some ways you do have to give Jake and Logan Paul a lot of credit, both for establishing an audience for themselves as these YouTube personalities, not Certainly. necessarily an audience that I know anything about, but it's it's an audience that numbers in the millions and, and is one that they've been able to monetize, I think, uh, to the maximum ability. And I guess when you talk about those two guys, it seems like Jake Paul is actually a little bit more of a uh, serious boxing boxer or has more serious aspirations in boxing than, than Logan Paul does. And Jake has positioned himself in this really smart but annoying way in the combat sports field where, like, he has correctly identified that especially the MMA crowd feels a little bit defensive of its sport and protective and maybe has a little bit of a chip on its shoulder just in terms of its standing in the combat sports world. And he has recognized that and has said about just trying to troll all of us for sure to the to the maximum ability that he can and so he has set up a couple of fights for himself he fought the former UFC welterweight Ben Askren who was a champion in MMA and a couple of other organizations but was never a talented striker he came from a wrestling background and wrestled for the University of Missouri and was past his prime even even in the sport where where he has excelled and Jake Paul you know, convinced the MMA audience to buy into this pay-per-view where he was going to fight Ben Askren and then ended up knocking him out in the first round and now has a second fight set up against Tyron Woodley, who was a UFC champion for a while and was a former actually wrestling teammate of Ben Askren at the University of Missouri. So Jake Paul has created this uh, environment where he's not only do ever, does everyone want to watch him fight in the hopes that he will get beat, but he also can handpick his opponents. So he's picking these guys that don't really have professional-level boxing skills, and he's fighting them on his own terms uh, up until this point, in essentially in his own company, and making millions of dollars doing it. And the most amazing thing to me about Jake and Logan Paul is how honest they are about it. Like, when right. you ask them, what are you doing here, they'll say... 
man, we're just here trolling you guys. We're making money. We're having fun and we're mm-hmm. making money and you guys are falling for it every time. So it's like they're showing you how they do the magic trick in a way. 100%. And people keep lining up to, to spend the money on it. And, you know, because of the pay-per-view model and because of the way combat sports works, I guess you have to give them credit for it, even though the stuff that they do isn't necessarily to my taste. It's, it's such a, an interesting dilemma because you can't hate on the guys for creating, basically, uh, an entertainment industry all of their own. They have a monopoly on this little corner of the sporting slash entertainment worlds, and they are making millions of dollars on it, and they have a great platform to promote it. My biggest worry is just the way that this affects the integrity of the sport of boxing because these guys aren't boxing. This is different than actual boxing. First and foremost, boxing needs judges. Secondly, boxing needs weight classes. You can say Floyd Mayweather is one of the greatest boxers of all time, and I thought that he dominated that fight. I thought there was a moment where he at least knocked down, if not knocked out, uh, Logan Paul, but then he sort of held him up to keep the fight going. But... It was a great example of, of weight classes because Logan Paul actually did hang for a little bit. He, he did better than a lot of people thought, but he's also six inches taller and 35 pounds heavier. So it did bring into account the, the dilemma of weight classes or, or what that actually, uh, the, the importance of having those sorts of things. But my biggest worry, though, is that you know if you're consuming this as someone that just wants to be entertained, that's fine. If you're consuming these as real boxing fights, though, you're missing the whole point because this is not the sweet science. This is not what boxing was in intended to be. And I just think that this is the latest stain on what has been a pretty incremental but also uh, pretty consistent fall from grace for the entire sport of boxing that's gone on for 25 plus years. Yeah, I have some friends who are more hardcore boxing fanatics than I am and some former co-workers that are that you know cover the sport and certainly follow it more closely than I do. Uh, and they are adamant that all of this talk of the death of boxing or the the slow grind to the bottom for boxing is all overblown and that for hmm. actual like hardcore boxing fans there's a lot of really really high level boxing going around it's just not the stuff that makes headlines uh unfortunately for whatever reason the stuff that makes headlines is Jake and Logan Paul and whatever you know circus fight or uh controversy they can drum up in boxing, uh, but I know that there there is a lot of other uh, more competitive and more professional stuff going on in boxing that that the true fans really would like to see celebrated. Uh, it just so happens that you also have characters like Floyd Mayweather who can kind of straddle the line between being one of the greatest defensive boxers of his generation, but also being like a complete showman who will do anything for money. That's so, the irony of this, right? Is that actually Logan Paul and Jake Paul took the Floyd Mayweather model and just emphasized it and took a lot of the the um, parameters, I guess, or the controls away from it and basically are just controlling them themselves. But Mayweather is is the one that sort of created this, I'm going to be the, the executor and the producer of the event while also the main star of the event, right? Yeah. So these guys yeah. kind of stole that same model from him. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I was in the thick of it during the summer of 2017 when... Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. and that fight went from being a a rumor and a thing that nobody underneath the the blue sky thought would ever happen to being a reality that made everybody uh, a bunch of money. And in some ways, I feel like that model, where Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor both realized that 
they could make hundreds of millions of dollars essentially because of social media. They realized the their ability to monetize these social media interactions that they were having. It kind of set the stage for the rest of this stuff with, with Jake and Logan Paul and Triller and, and these various uh, celebrity boxing matches. And so uh, I was there at the kind of the, the genesis of that and just sort of watched it unfold and become a thing. And to see the Paul brothers now come in and essentially work the same model or frankly, professional wrestling gimmick is essentially what it is That's right. on, on boxing fans. It's, it's kind of amazing, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's stuff that's been going on for a hundred years, really. You go back to the early 1900s and there was always rumors that Jack Dempsey was going to box uh, Ed Strangler Lewis, the professional wrestling champion sure. at the time. And those guys were always circling each other and trying to make money off these uh, kind of freak show fights, for lack of a better word. And people are still doing it because uh, they can still make money. And I guess that's the that's the bottom line with combat sports, man. It's It's like everyone who achieves stardom in it is a serious and high-level athlete, but they also, uh, in large part, are, are showmen and people that want to make money. And so they, they go where the money is at. And that's what Floyd has continued to do at this point, at this stage in his career. Duan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Duanas in studio. Chad's worked for a long time, covered MMA for various national outlets, and he's also the uh, co-host of the co-main event MMA podcast. Been doing that for close to a decade, and a Missoula native too, so fun to have an expert when it comes to uh, mixed martial arts and combat sports in general here in the city of Missoula. It is funny because you think about Rocky three. It was a Rocky three or Rocky four when when Rocky Balboa fights Thunderlips, right? Yeah. I mean, wait a minute. Hulk Hogan plays the the famous character. It, it has been a part of the boxing world for a long time. I guess the thing that I keep harkening back. If you like these events because you like to gamble on them or because you like to just be entertained, that's fine. I just hope it doesn't skew people's perception of the validity of the sport of boxing because there's been so many unsavory things that have infiltrated boxing over the years. Whether it's the questions of the judges, are they being bought and sold? Um, do certain guys get certain scores? Uh, is the end of the card always right or not if there's not a knockout? The gambling element of it, the promotion element of it, all of it. But I do think that you know, for, for the majority of the 20th century, boxing was the number one and or one of the number one sports in the entire country. And then from basically Mike Tyson going to jail and then coming back and fighting Evander Holyfield. After that, it has not stood atop any sort of uh, mountaintop when it comes to the top sports in America. And I just think that for people that are purists, that really like the sweet science, that like the actual art of boxing, this is a mockery of the sport. So again, if you consume this in a way that it just it's a fun time for you or whatever, or maybe you're making a little money on gambling, that's all good. I just hope that people don't confuse this for the validity of a real boxing match. In your mind, because you've seen the rise of, of UFC, and UFC, I would say, is is more popular in America right now than boxing, to be certain, even though the guys are not making nearly as much money still as maybe they deserve or maybe as much as these professional boxers, save unless your name's Conor McGregor, of course. That's another thing, total tangent, but I think that people don't realize how much these prize fighters make. I mean, I think Conor McGregor was the highest-paid athlete in the world by a, a long shot. And if you looked at the top 10 highest paid athletes in the world. They're either fighters or soccer players. They're not the guys that the American media are talking about with $30 million contracts like Patrick Mahomes or or LeBron James. So it is an interesting factor. But uh, in your mind, 
what has caused sort of this rise of MMA and this and this fall of boxing? Have they been coincidental, or have there been uh, sort of uh, are, are do they go hand in hand? What do you think has happened to boxing that's made it uh, not become, or I guess not remain as one of America's most popular sports? Um, it's a great question, and it's a, a complicated question, and one that's probably difficult to answer. But you know, in, in boxing, you have a very fractured. Uh, community, right? You have sure. all of these different smaller promotions that all have their own champions and uh, it can be difficult for fans to follow it. It can be difficult for fans to keep straight who all the different champions are and who the fighters that they need to know are. And, you know, until very recently, I think there's been a lack of real high-level American heavyweight fighters, which I think caused people to lose some interest in boxing over the years. And at the same time, the UFC was really making strides uh, to become a mainstream sports entity. And I think one of the, the secrets to the UFC's success was that it was able to be this really strong, centralized force at the heart of, of MMA, where it was basically the only promotion that mattered you know, aside from a handful of others that have kind of fallen off over the years. And so it was able to use its buying power in the the industry to collect all of the top fighters. And o over that decade or so, mostly give the fans the matchups that they wanted to see between guys that were regarded as the world's top fighters, you know, with some notable exceptions. But for the most part in MMA, we've gotten very accustomed to be able to being able to see the fights that we want to see. And that has been, I think, great for the sports popularity. It's been great uh, for the UFC, certainly, and for the UFC's bottom line. As you said a minute ago, uh, it's probably been detrimental to the athletes. Sure. Uh, just because, you know, MMA is a young sport. There's no uh, fighters union in the same way that there would be a, a union for major league baseball players or NFL players or NBA players. And so the revenue split in mixed martial arts at this point, at least inside the UFC, uh, from what we know is about 85% that goes to the company and 15% that goes to the athletes. Now that's a way smaller percentage than you get in any other mainstream sport in America and in, in baseball and, and football and basketball and even hockey, it's close to a 50, 50 split between players and owners. So right now, uh, the UFC is, is, keeping the lion's share of the profits itself. And then, you know, fighters are, are taking what's left over, essentially. And you want to know why you get into a situation where people like former UFC fighter Ben Askren and former UFC champion Tyron Woodley are now in retirement, and they turn around and say, yes, I'm willing to box Logan Paul <laughs> right. uh, and probably lose. It's because they didn't make that much money. They need the money, 100%. During, during their UFC careers. And so if you can tell Tyron Woodley he's going to make $20 million or whatever it is to come in and box Jake Paul, like he's definitely going to do that. And so... It's been a little bit of a mixed bag, I guess, in terms of the UFC really establishing its own popularity, becoming more of a mainstream sport entity over the last decade or so, but in some ways doing it at the expense of the athletes who are actually out there having the fights in the cage. I think that part gets lost on people, too, is heavyweight boxers particularly, but boxers across the board, champion-level boxers, for a long time were the highest-paid athletes. I mean, guys were making... $100,000 in the NBA when Muhammad Ali and George Foreman were making close to a million dollars for their fights. And it's continued to go up to reach this basically fever pitch in the 90s when Tyson was getting paid, you know, 35 to $40 million per card. And then you have Floyd Mayweather with his promotion group. And now all of a sudden he's making 50, 60, 70 million, $100 million for these fights. 
But put that in perspective for people because UFC guys do not make even a fraction of the money that that these boxers, uh, especially when boxing was in its heyday, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you are, you know, a, a high-end UFC athlete, if you are Conor McGregor, for example, sure. you might make $10 million to fight. Right. If you're a champion in the UFC, and it depends on how many uh, pay-per-view events you sell as champions, because most UFC contracts uh, pay out champions a... a a fee to show up, a fee to win, and then they would give them a cut of the pay-per-view dollars if they end up selling a considerable number of pay-per-views. So if if you're a UFC champion, you could make a couple million dollars to fight uh, if you sell a lot of pay-per-views. But the lion's share of UFC fighters are making you know anywhere between twenty thousand dollars to show up and win to uh, you know half a million dollars to show up and win. So it, it's just a, a, a far less lucrative endeavor for most MMA fighters at this point. Chad Dennis joining us here on Nuanas Now. Talking all things combat sports. Last question here before we get to a break. I think that another contributing factor to the sort of demise of boxing, for lack of a better word, is the rise of a great many of Americans, especially, I'm particularly talking just in America, the, a great many of America's best athletes are sort of filtered toward what we would call revenue sports at the college level. And so I often think that in 1930, a guy like Khalil Mack or a guy like Aaron Donald, those guys are um, almost certainly not playing football. In fact, the NFL was just in its infancy at that exact moment. And uh, instead, they probably would have been boxing. Those guys would have been heavyweight boxers. And I think that it's true not just for boxing. I think that baseball has suffered from a lot of times. There's some of the best athletes uh, in America going towards basketball or football. And I think we see it all the way down even to uh, this level of football You know, with the Grizzlies and the Bobcats. I often think that there's probably half a dozen guys on each team that would be better suited to be running Division One track than they are to be, you know, a third or fourth string wide receiver. But football comes with the glory. It comes with, you know, the, the crowds and all that stuff. But, I mean, how much of that do you think influences this? Just the fact that there's some of the best athletes in America are no longer choosing boxing, and they haven't for quite some time. Yeah, for sure. It's It has a huge effect. If you're six foot five and 275, 280 pounds in America, uh, you're probably not going to get out of seventh or eighth grade without – a football coach or a basketball coach grabbing you and saying, you know, come on over and and play this sport with us. And the earning potential there is so much higher than in a lot of these other sports that that's just naturally where the the biggest athletes go. And, you know, in MMA today, the most crowded and competitive weight classes are probably 145 pounds, 155 pounds, and 170 pounds. And it's not only because that's the average size of the American male is to be, you know, around 170 pounds, sure. but, but it's also because those are guys who are high level athletes in high school and college. Maybe they play football, maybe they wrestle, whatever. And then they get out of that structured environment and there's not a huge future for them in professional sports. And so you see a lot of those guys, especially former amateur wrestlers turn to fighting because they can make a decent living uh, and compete against guys who are their own size. Whereas for guys who are big enough to be heavyweights, there are a lot of other more lucrative opportunities that are going to come along regularly. 
Nuwana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. More about the rise of the UFC, because I think this is actually fascinating, too, the way that the UFC has gained ground. And also a discussion about the current crop of UFC fighters, because I do think there's some guys right now that have at least the potential to be some of the most memorable guys the UFC uh, has ever seen. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula, Chad Dundas, with me, Coulter Nuanez. More after this. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. What's up, Montana? Happy Thursday. Hope everybody's having a good Thursday. Pretty wet here in western Montana. Don't know what it's doing around the rest of the state, but uh, we're getting some much-needed rain here the next couple days. So that is welcome because the least best part about the last best place is fire season in August. So we need uh, all the moisture we can get right now that it's June. Thanks so much for listening in on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe watching in SWX Montana Television. Our conversation about... The rise of the UFC and the fall of boxing continues with Chad Dundas. He's the co-host of the co-main event MMA podcast and a longtime sports writer who's been covering the UFC and mixed martial arts in general uh, for a long time for various outlets, both as a print journalist as well as a multimedia guy doing the podcast stuff. So, Chad, I want to ask you just about sort of the, the, the initial incremental rise of the UFC then into what has become sort of a rapid rise uh, to the UFC. I think that this last year, the UFC has made uh, an incredible amount of progress in terms of normalizing is the wrong word, but sort of becoming at least part of the the common sport um, conversation. But a lot of times it was pinned as just this brutal and very niche sport, but I think a lot more people are giving it a chance. And I love that because I think that uh, mixed martial arts is, is among the most pure sports there is in the world. But take us through sort of the history of this, because we were talking about this when you and I were, were uh, out to lunch one day. The one thing I sort of dove into during the pandemic when I was just looking for stuff to watch, they archived the first several UFC fights and they put them out on, I can't remember where, I think maybe ESPN Plus or something. And so you could watch the, the original UFCs. And man, these things were totally different than what you watch today. But this has been, I mean, in terms of American sporting events, this is perhaps the youngest one that is part of the national narrative. Yeah. Uh, the UFC itself, especially over the last... Uh, 10 or 11 years has had a, a fairly rapid progression into the mainstream, both when it signed a, an initial broadcast deal with Fox Sports and then, you know, several years ago when it made the, the jump from Fox over to ESPN that it has done a lot, I think, to uh, increase its foothold with mainstream sports fans. I think at this point, most television-watching American sports fans 
at least know what the UFC is or know what MMA is. They may not all be fans of it, but I think that they have, you know, they've seen it before at this point just because it's been on Fox Network and Fox Sports 1 and now ESPN and ESPN+. And I think especially during the last couple of years, the, the UFC's relationship with ESPN has been kind of huge for it in terms of uh, being able to expand its uh, profile in, in mainstream sports because now that it has a broadcast partnership with the worldwide leader, like ESPN is a lot more likely to feature it on SportsCenter or, or put it on the bottom line, put UFC news on TV where people can see it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the company itself is on ESPN Plus basically every weekend because they get paid now to do 42 events a year for uh, ESPN. So week in and week out, they're doing events over there on ESPN Plus, and you know that's that's changed a lot about the fabric of the sport, and I think has had some detrimental effects just in terms of uh, the the competition and the uh, you know the strength of your week in week out UFC card. But I think it's overall been great for uh, improving the visibility of of that company and and of the sport, uh, you know, on the whole. I know I've talked about my affinity for combat sports uh, on the show quite a bit, but a little background. My father uh, was a fourth-degree black belt in Taekwondo, and he fought uh, full contact for, for many years uh, throughout his life, also owned dojos uh, in various ta- little, little towns across the West before we moved to Montana. And it was always, always a very important thing to both of my parents. My mom also has her black belt as well. And uh, so we were always watching boxing and things like that uh, growing up. But we used to hear about sort of the origins of of mixed martial arts before the UFC was a thing. But when you watch these original UFCs, basically everybody that participates has a singular discipline. Hardly any cross-training has happened. You might be able to sort of throw a punch or a kick if you're a wrestler or or vice versa. You might sort of be able to grapple uh, if you were a traditional taekwondo or karate or something like that, striker, kickboxer, muay thai, whatever it might be. But it was basically the sumo wrestler versus the kickboxer or, you know, the uh, the bar fighter versus the, the taekwondo guy. And now everybody cross trains to a significant level. And you have to have skills that range from striking with your hands and feet to being able to go down to the mat, whatever it might be. So I think it's made the sport itself more fluid, but also made these guys so much more dangerous, which is part of the appeal, but also maybe part of the thing that turns some of these get, uh, people off. But in your opinion... Just sort of the the fluidity of the sport, the way that guys have become more multifaceted in their skills. Has that been a factor in sort of the the improved visibility? I think probably it has. I mean, the sport has undergone incredible evolution since the early 90s when it came to America, uh, basically as like a marketing campaign for Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. You're just starting to see now a gener- an entire generation of fighters who are coming into the UFC having essentially done mixed martial arts for their entire athletic life. You know, as you mentioned, when it first started, you would get guys who were uh, former wrestlers or Taekwondo stylists or, uh, you know, boxers, whatever it, it, the case may have been, who would then supplement their skill set by adding all of these additional uh, martial arts and, and abilities. Now you've got kids who have been training their whole lives to kind of MMA fighters to both strike and grapple and uh, kick and punch and everything else. And and there are people out there who fight like they're in a video game. It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Right. It's totally crazy. A lot of the uh, a lot of the techniques that the early UFCs or early MMA 
served to prove like wouldn't work in an actual fight are kind of coming back now because you have high level athletes and guys who have trained in them long enough that they can pull off these crazy spinning kicks or, or, you know, other stuff that seemed like it would only be in an action movie if you, if you had seen the sport 10 years ago, but uh, yeah, it's been incredible. And, uh, the style of fighting now is, is almost unrecognizable to where the sport started. And, uh, it's just been a, a real, uh, fast-paced evolution. It's been it's been extraordinary. You're right too. So many guys train all of the disciplines at once. It's almost like this new style. It's almost like they should rebrand it. It's it's a combination of so many different things. But a lot of times, and I know this isn't as prevalent now, but for so long, guys had even if they were cross-trained, they had sort of their baseline, and there was always the argument of what's it what's it better to have, the baseline of being a, somebody that grew up as, as a prolific striker or somebody that grew up as a prolific wrestler or whatever it might be. In your opinion, what is the, the, the best baseline to build upon? It's probably still amateur wrestling, just For because sure. uh, if you're good at amateur wrestling and you have the ability to, to take another person down, it essentially gives you the ability to dictate where and how a fight happens. So if you want to stand up and strike with a person, you can do that. And if you don't want to do that, you can take them to the ground where you are more uh, inclined to work your own discipline. But, you know, that's it's still very prevalent. There are still a lot of former amateur wrestlers in the sport. There are a lot of international wrestlers in the sport. Uh, but, you know, more and more you're starting to see guys who are just fully cross-trained from the beginning who don't come from that single discipline. So it'll be interesting to see where things go over the next 15 to 20 years, I think. Chad Dundas joining us. He is the co-host of the Co-Main Event MMA podcast, which has been going on for close to a decade now. Also a Missoula native and a resident sports writer who's produced a lot of content for a lot of different outlets, both on the local and national levels. And we're talking about all things UFC right now. One more thing before we get to this weekend's fights, Chad. One, I think that right now there's a couple guys, particularly Francis Ngannou, who I really love. I think he's an amazing character. I think he has an awesome story. But he's also just um, a spectacle to behold just looking at him, let alone watching him fight. Uh, But I think that he has a real chance to become a, a breakout, breakthrough mainstream star, particularly as a heavyweight. He just won the heavyweight title here a couple months ago in late March. He has not had a title defense yet. But what do you think of the current crop of guys? Because I think that as UFC first made its its, its initial push with guys like Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture and George St. Pierre, one of the, the knocks was, well, this guy's going to be champion for half a minute. This guy's going to win the title, and then he's going to lose the title, and then it's kind of going to be over. And only guys like uh, George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva were really able to ever have any sort of longevity. But it still pales in comparison to the eras of the you know heavyweight champion boxers, guys that were fighting for the title for 10 or 15 years. But do you feel like uh, these guys, this new crop of guys, this new group of champions has an opportunity now to sort of take the the, the, the sport one step forward? Well, what's your analysis of the current group of, of sort of stars in the UFC? Well, when you talk about stars in the UFC, I think you have to talk about a couple of different tiers because there are just a handful of people who have fought in the UFC who have gone on to become bona fide crossover mainstream sports stars. People like Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, maybe George St. Pierre, especially in Canada where he's from and he remains a, a big star. Those are, you know, sort of the only people who have become 
recognized crossover mainstream sports stars. And then right below that, there's a second tier of, of people who become stars within the sport of MMA, mid-major stars, if you will. People like John Jones, the uh, sure. most recent UFC light heavyweight champion, maybe the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Uh, and those guys are famous inside the sport and can be counted on to sell, you know, half a million to 700,000 pay-per-views when they fight. Uh, and I think the UFC has a bunch of people right now who could graduate to that level of stars. People like Israel Adesanya, mm-hmm. who's going to fight this weekend at UFC 263, who is the current UFC middleweight champion, has kind of been the odds-on favorite to become the next uh, mid-major UFC star inside the bubble. I think the only guy that they have right now who seems to have the potential to be a mainstream crossover star is probably Francis Ngannou. And that is based in large part uh, just on his physical appearance, for starters. Because <laughs> For he, those that have not seen this guy, he's about 6'5 and a half, 6'6". Six, six, yeah. And he weighs, well, as a heavyweight, there's a weight uh, cap. And he weighs exactly the weight cap. He weighs 265 pounds. I think he fought 263 last time. But that's just splicing, uh, you know, a couple hamburgers before the fight or whatever. I mean, the guy's as big, basically, as you can be to be a lean, mean uh, professional fighter. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute physical specimen. He's got maybe the best personal story in all of professional sports. Just, like, not even just in MMA, but, like... Unbelievable. The entire professional sports landscape, because this is a guy... Uh, who was born in Africa and grew up uh, in Cameroon and worked in the sand mines over there. And we're talking working in the sand mines when he's like a child. Yeah, this, like is, a, this is child labor that's happening. A 12-year-old kid uh, essentially like s- spending all day shoveling sand and then eventually he becomes a young adult, makes his way from Africa to France, and he's homeless. He lives homeless on the streets of Paris uh, for a certain amount of time, sleeping in parks and everything else. And then one day happens to walk into an MMA gym owned by this coach named Fernand Lopez. And Francis Ngannou wants to be a professional boxer. So he basically walks into this gym and says, I want to be a fighter. Can you help me? And they took one look at this guy who's just enormous. And they were like, yeah, man, I think we can help you out. <laughs> and so from there, he becomes like a professional MMA fighter. And now, uh, you know, uh, as of UFC 260, He's the UFC heavyweight champion, having avenged an earlier loss to Stipe Miocic. And he not only has that appearance, but he also just has like a ferocious Mike Tyson style knockout punching fighting style that I think is is easy to translate to to common fans. And so like I think if if he is able to be consistent at that level and if the UFC kind of plays its promotional cards right, he could be a big, big star for them if if everything works out. More things MMA, including a preview of this weekend's UFC right here on Nuanas Now with Chad Dundas, our local resident UFC expert. Right after this on Nuanas Now. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate.
you order yourself a fight on Saturday night. It's probably what I'm going to be doing. Welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Just a couple more minutes left here at hour number one as we continue to talk all things combat sports, particularly UFC with Chad Dundas. He's a Missoula native, hopefully becomes a friend of this show because this has been very fun to talk about all things UFC. And he's also the co-host of the co-main event MMA podcast, which you can find on all of your friendly podcast hosting platforms. Please go rate, review, subscribe. Five stars is preferred. If you uh, like what you heard today, I guarantee you're going to like what Chad's got going on on that podcast as well because they're veterans. It's one of the best independent podcasts produced on the UFC anywhere in the entire world. So we're lucky to have Chad here in Missoula. I'm lucky to have Chad here in studio. It is UFC 262 on Saturday with a couple big-time fights. Israel Adesanya is fighting for the... Uh, he's fighting to defend his middleweight title for the third time. Uh, Nate Diaz, who's a guy who was one of the first breakout stars when the Ultimate Fighter first came about and sort of uh, introduced a lot of mainstream America to uh, the UFC, is also fighting. And then there's also... Uh, a flyweight fight as well. So, check sort of break this down for us. What are you most excited about for this weekend's event? Uh, I think it's actually going to be a pretty good event. The UFC, after spending most of the pandemic at home in Las Vegas at its own Apex Arena or overseas at uh, Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates, is back on the road now. So, they're going to be down in Glendale, Arizona for this one, UFC 263. It's got a double bill of championship fights at the top. You mentioned Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. The flyweight title fight where champion Davison Figueredo is going to rematch with Brandon Moreno in terms of just like pure action is probably the one I'm looking forward to most. These guys uh, just fought each other uh, in December of, of 2020 at UFC 256. It was maybe the greatest UFC men's flyweight title fight of all time. It finished in a majority draw uh, between those two guys. So they're going to do it again. And uh, that one is just going to be an all-out slugfest, I think, from start to finish. And then, of course, I think everyone is interested to see the return of Nate Diaz, uh, who comes back to the cage for the first time since late 2019. He's just one and two, though, in his last three. Uh, and like his brother Nick, starting to get up there in years a little bit. He has a, a real tough matchup against Leon Edwards at welterweight. Edwards is a guy who's been on a heck of a role in the UFC and has deserved a high-profile fight like this against Nate Diaz for a while, but has been a little bit snake bit just in terms of trying to make that come off. And so this is a big opportunity for him on a big stage to show that he deserves to be regarded among the very top contenders at 170 pounds, so it's a big fight for Leon Edwards. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori, the middleweight title fight. Israel Adesanya is a guy who has every tool to become uh, a pretty big star for this company, and he is coming back down to middleweight after an unsuccessful run-up to light heavyweight where he tried to become a two-division champion but got turned away uh, by the 205-pound champion Jan Blakovitz. so he's going to be back down at middleweight defending his title against Marvin Vittori. These guys have fought before early in both of their UFC careers. Israel Adesanya won, but it was probably his most competitive fight in the UFC up to this point. Uh, and so it, it'll be interesting to see if Marvin Vittori, who's an Italian fighter but has decent wrestling skills and has a, a kind of matchup of styles that could potentially give Israel Adesanya some trouble. It'll be interesting to see how those two guys match up in a fight that Adesanya essentially needs to win, I think, if he is going to establish himself as uh, the middleweight kingpin who could be a, a very bankable star for the UFC. He, he has to, for sure. He has to maintain that title. You mentioned, though, the fact that he has this opportunity to sort of be the next breakout star. We talked about Francis Ngannou in the last segment, and Ngannou, his um, his 
potential star power is so obvious because of the way he looks, his story, uh, the way he fights, his knockout power. Uh, he, also, his humility, though, the, the way that he carries himself is very appealing, I think. But why do you think Adesanya has this this um, potential to be this potential breakout star? Well, he's got an exciting fighting style for one. He's a really talented kickboxer and striker, and when he's able to bring those skills to bear in a fight, it can turn out to be pretty fun to watch. He's also just got a very infectious personality. Uh, he's a New Zealander, uh, part of the city kickboxing team that has really been on the rise in MMA over the last several years, and he just has this... Uh, sort of infectious personality where you can really tell that he's not only one of the best fighters in the world, but he's also a real fan of the sport. And so a lot of times he goes, he approaches the sport the way, uh, you know, a regular guy on the couch might. We all watch these sports and we say, oh, you know what I would do if I was in this guy's position? Right. I would I would move up to light heavyweight and try to become the champion there. And Israel Adesanya is like, that's exactly what I want to do because I'm here to have fun too. So he tried to do that, was unsuccessful, but he just brings kind of like a fun-loving, uh, infectious, very uh, man-on-the-street kind of fan style to the sport that I think really resonates uh, with, with spectators. We will hopefully do this again in the near future because this has been great. And I'm sure Chad will have an upcoming episode of the Co-Main Event Podcast coming out soon as well, particularly to recap this UFC uh, 262 and keep you up to date with everything that's happening in the world of mixed martial arts. Chad, this has been awesome, man. We appreciate you coming by. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks for being here. You bet, Colter. Thanks for having me, man. Chad Dundas. One of the best, Missoula native and the co-host of the co-event, co-main event, excuse me, MMA podcast. Go find that on all your various podcasting platforms. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And to support a local guy here from Missoula who's doing things on a national level. Pretty cool to have him in town and have him in studio here with us. We're, we're uh, audibling. This is going to be great. I just got a text from Travis Lule, great quarterback from the Montana State Bobcats, and a former CFL MVP, former Grey Cup winner. He is getting inducted into the Montana Football Hall of Fame uh, here in two weeks in Billings. Uh, I'm on the board of directors for that, and it would be a pleasure to induct Travis and commemorate his awesome career at both MSU and with the BC Lions. He will join us right here in about five minutes on Nuanas Now as part of our Montana Football Hall of Fame series, plus... Carolyn, Chick who doesn't know sports, will swing by as well. So keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.